0: You're listening to Speaker's Corner with Alfie Joey. Tips, tools, and tactics for speaking in public in many different ways from a diverse range of guests. These titans of talking from the world of business, politics, podcasts, TED Talks, and showbiz share their stories to help you improve your own confidence and communication skills. Please welcome your host, Alfie Joey. Hello there. Alfie Joey here. And the whole point, I think, of this podcast, Speaker's Corner with me, Alfie Joy, is to talk about public speaking in its many different ways. It's not just one type of talk. It's not your your classic TED talk, just your classic TED talk. It's not just your classic person with a load of slides behind them. It is the many different ways that people talk in public and that's why today's guest is so exciting for you Robbie Knox he used to be one of the production team but often ended up in front of the cameras on Soccer AM back in the Halcyon days he was there at the beginning and and after that he's done so many different things at the minute he is one of the stars of Jack made happy hour Big, big, hugely successful podcast. They've just done a national theatre tour, selling out theatres up and down the land. They're about to do another stretch of that. If this hasn't already gone out, go and see them somewhere. Middlesbrough Town Hall is where I'm going to try and catch them again because I've seen it once. And Robbie is a really interesting character because he speaks in public in many very very different ways but he does it very successfully very under the radar whilst managing to to gather a big audience he just does it so subtly so brilliantly he's so likable you're going to enjoy this conversation i hope you are because i really enjoyed this conversation with robbie knox now robbie if i were to be a complete stranger in a pub and uh, I said, "Oh, I'm Sid, the bus conductor. What do you do, mate? What would you tell me?"
1: I generally say I make videos because I've found out that leads to the least questions if I'm in a taxi or something. Um, you'll get a few questions, yeah. but there's so, because so, it's quite weird to explain. I do a variety of different things. So I do I do a a podcast called Jack Makes Happy Hour um, that takes up a fair amount of my time, uh, which is exclusive to Spotify and, and fairly popular on that I make YouTube videos I do stuff for uh, corporate clients who I make videos for them so mostly it's either making videos or talking on a a microphone yeah well that's
0: that's what this is about it's all about talking in different ways and I suppose you were a a video maker or a production team member of Soccer AM lots of people will remember that but being hugely successful you were there at the inception of that so that's where it probably all started for you
1: yeah that was the first time I readed really stuff in terms of talking publicly and it's and it's quite interesting 'cause i uh, we just sort of i never intended to be on the camera on it. We just got asked to do things and then if you did you'd get asked to be an old lady for a sketch and then if you did all right next week you might be something someone who speaks yeah. and then it would just go from there but i got it got to the point where I was, I was doing like forty shows a year for, yeah. for about seven years, and I got quite confident doing that but whereas Actual public speaking in front of people, I'd be a lot more nervous. With I'd, I'd, if you said you've got to go and do this in front of a quarter of a million people down a camera, I'd be absolutely fine. It wouldn't, it wouldn't really phase me. Whereas if you'd said a year ago, oh, you've got to go and speak in front of thirty people in a room, I'd be really nervous. Sort of, no matter what it, what it was, and I think, I think it's just what you're used to. I remember, I remember filming a, a guy in London who was a leader of a council, so used to standing up public speaking yeah. on, a, on a daily basis and all that. He's now, he's, he's now moved on. I think he's a deputy mayor or something like that. And he was obviously great at that, but he was terrified of talking on camera. But it's just getting out one sentence. You could see him shaking. He'd, he'd be really nervous doing it. He'd be really apologetic sort of thing. And get this. Yeah, so I guess it is just what you're used to. And just because you can do one type of speaking, you can't necessarily do the others.
0: Because of the way... As you just described it, it was almost accidental. that like you ended up on camera and ended up as a speaker. It was a, a a gentle way into training. It was almost by accident that you were becoming a public figure. Yeah,
1: yeah, it was. It wasn't really any master plan or anything like that. But it was. It was a nice sort of gradual easing into it. Things, I guess.
0: But everything you you do and that little resume you've just described there, all sounds accidental, but. And and it sounds like you're mucking about with your mates as well. And when you go home and when you're with other people, they go, "Oh, you just muck about for a living. But there's loads of work goes into it, isn't it?
1: Yeah, certainly at Soccer AM when we had, um we'd, we'd spend the week working on the show and then do the show at the weekend. And people would say after, so what do you do during the week? Yeah. And they, I think they just thought we just turned up and messed around for three hours. or sort something. Of but you have to have that structure in place to to have the freedom to go off things. And I think that's what people forget, I think it was the most sort of structured thing I've probably yeah. done. And I think the more, the more work you do beforehand, yeah. then that almost becomes the base. You think, well, if nothing interesting happens, you've got that really good base to go from. Yeah. Whereas hopefully it will be better than that if, more, if things, yeah. you can rip off that.
0: And you, of Public Speakers, podcasts, you've been doing podcasts before podcasts were a thing. Uh, I think Milk was one. Milk Face, Yeah, just a
1: parenting thing. I've done did a thing about creativity called Thinky Thinky Make Make, most of which don't really exist anymore. I've always I'd always been quite interested in it. When I was a kid, I used to make a lot of tapes yeah. with for friends or things like that or do little radio shows and stuff like that. But then the problem is when I started my career is that you needed permission to do stuff. You you if you wanted to do a radio show, you had to find a radio station that would do it. You might find a hospital radio or a student radio or something like that. But generally it was quite hard. Whereas now, everyone, anyone can start it. You don't need much of. You can just do on your phone if you have to. The gear keepers gone. Exactly, yeah, and it, and it just means you've got that sort of that sort of freedom, and it's such a great opportunity for people now to start stuff.
0: And, and then you start doing stuff on YouTube, and you're on YouTube channel, and it's worth having a look at because there's some really funny. You're very likable on camera, and again, it looks like this effortless bloke who's just talking about planting potatoes or putting the bins out but you made you made these things into a thing
1: yeah I think I think if you tell a story in a good way I think it comes it it resonates with people and I've got a video about about taking the bins out that's got I don't know probably about 50,000 views or something like that and and that part of that is for me when I'm talking to clients and they're talking about oh, their business isn't interesting. I'm like, well, I've got a video with taking the bins out 50,000 views, so let's not play that game. Um, so a lot of it's that. That.
0: Did, did you, not, you you did the, the spud watch thing, and I joined in a bit with that, and I was getting traction. And I was thinking, that, this is just mucking about with potatoes. But do you sometimes know, you think I'm on something here?
1: I think there's a lot of pressure that I didn't really have growing up. I, I got the internet when I went to uni, and in my head, I think I thought the internet had always been there. And you got it when you were 18 or something like that. Um, But that was clearly the early days of it. I got given an email address and access through the computers. So I didn't have any of the sort of social media pressure to make your life look better than it is. So I think what I've been trying to do with a lot of that, I remember, it's name dropping, but I remember at Soccer AM, I was in the green room beforehand talking to Noel Gallagher. And we were talking about um, that he would always get asked... To for people to follow him around, do a day at home yeah. with Noel Gallagher or what's like? He said, "He said the reality is I'll just make dinner and sit down and watch TV." He goes, "The idea of Noel going home is a lot more interesting than yeah. the reality yeah. of it." Sort of yeah. thing, and that's that's the thing. Everyone, unless you're Madonna and you've got loads of house staff or something like that, everyone has to take the bins out. Everyone has to go and buy their food or or, or cook their dinner and all that sort of thing. So I think there's there's something worth celebrating the mundanity is that word of life mundanity Mundanity, yes the the, the mundaneness of 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 life
0: let's have a quick word from our sponsors the northeast nibble project is a not-for-profit organization founded by two northeast permanent makeup artists megan jones and amanda patterson their aim is to provide free areola tattooing for women who've undergone a mastectomy and breast reconstruction as a result of breast cancer to help regain confidence and empower these courageous women. To register for this service or to donate, visit their website www.northeastnipples.co.uk and follow on Instagram at Northeast Nipple Project. And now back to the show. That is when it sort of catches fire, when you don't expect it. You think, well, that became a beer brand, and you create a, an ale out of it, and again, it just it set fire.
1: Yeah, and now whenever anyone does anything with bins, like I get tagged, people tag me, like Amanda Holden during lockdown took the bin out in a ball ground, and all the things were at Robbie Notts. Oh, look at this. So I don't know what she's thinking is going on. That that, that I feel sorry for that, now, so I just have to go... Just
0: ignore all this, by the way. Yeah. Forget it, sort of thing.
1: Oh, yeah, Sealing your stuff. I don't own bins. Yeah.
0: And, and then you're in. You end up in that ecosystem of different podcasts and different YouTubers. And um, you, you mentioned you briefly mentioned this mildly successful podcast, Jack Meets Happy Hour, but it's hugely successful.
1: Yeah, it, it is. It's exclusive to Spotify, so you've got that sort of slightly limited. If only people who use Spotify that will ever listen to it, and it's it's very popular with people of about in their sort of early 20s, sort of student-type ages, stuff like that. But then no one really over about 27, I don't think, sort of thing.
0: The the guests they get, you know, you get Ricky Gervais, Romesh Rangan, it's a a broad spectrum of people who are not in their early 20s.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. But I'm generally, we we've just on a live tour, and I'm generally the oldest person there (laughs) on on the stage. Um, But yeah, it is a nice mix of of people. I really enjoy doing it. It's, It's such a... Lovely thing to be able to do.
0: And how did you end up with, with those guys?
1: Uh, I, uh, a long story, but the shortest possible version. Long version. I, I, I got really annoyed. I'll tell the mid version. Yeah, yeah, I got really annoyed one day in Sainsbury's just before Christmas when I went to go and buy. I, I'd done my shopping online. And not as well organised, but then we got invited around someone's house. I thought I'll make a dessert, so I had to go and buy the ingredients for the dessert. And it was a horrible experience. The big Sainsbury's in, in Sydenham in in Southeast London, and I got there like the, the, it was so busy. Like there was nothing on the shelves. What was there? The produce was awful. Like the carrots that were disgusting and taste. I don't know how you mess up carrots. um The queues were right down the aisle, and I left that so exhausted just thinking god there's got to be a better way of this so I didn't so I just thought you know what I'm not going to go to a supermarket I originally said a year I did six months in the end I'm just going to not go to a supermarket I didn't tell any I told my wife and she was just sort of like oh fine like I didn't mention to anyone else that I was doing this and it has changed the way i shop even now, sort of thing. I didn't I'd get like milk delivered, I'd go to like, like grocers, yeah. I'd get i get a veg box delivered and all this sort of stuff and butchers and so I've learned a lot about seasonality and and the stuff along along those lines. Um it was a bit annoying when you like need some turmeric and you know there's some in Sainsbury's, you're gonna go try and find a turmeric dealer somewhere. Um but at the end of that I just on my like private Facebook I just did a little post saying, um I haven't been to a supermarket for six months this is what I've learned just for our friends and then someone I know who worked at the Huffington Post said do you want to write a blog for it I did that and I think I did another blog for them yeah. they've only ever written two blogs and then they phoned me up and said look we've got a brand deal with Amoy the Chinese food company this is going to come back round I know it's a long, long story I told you it's a long one but it's worth yeah. well, it, 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 it the in
0: yeah
1: the chances and the look well, they said to me, "Do you want to be? We're, we've got a team of YouTubers, a team of comedians, and a team of bloggers. Do you want to be a representative of the team of bloggers?" And I'd never, I'd only written two blogs. Um, they said, "Well, we'll pay you." Went, okay, <laughs> I'm in. And so i um, i went I went along to this representing all bloggers uh, with with a, a lovely girl called Victoria who was um, she did like food blogs and stuff like that. She's a very good radio producer now. Um, and Jack, who does Happy Hour was one of the two YouTubers yeah. there. So that's where I met him. And then just kept in touch and, and yeah. liked him. And every now and then he'd do something and he'd need someone who was over 20. So he'd he'd message me and say, do you want to be in the sketch? Do you want to do this sort of thing? He did a like a foobar radio show for a bit and he invited me on to do that or something. And then I came on as a guest on Happy Hour. It was quite popular, told some nice stories. And then just got invited back and just sort of for Christmas show. And then just and eventually, yeah, eventually, just haven't left,
0: yeah. yeah. Well, then, to transfer a podcast, because this is happening now with My Dad Wrote a Porno, with the, the Serial Killer podcast, they've ended up touring to places like the Sydney Opera House America and National Theatre Tours, and that's exactly what's happened with, with your podcast. It's ended up in this, not mid-range theatres, the big theatres of the country. Yeah, we did, we've sold out like, Shepherds Bush Empire... Uh, and I remember I've watched the Killers there
1: before. Which, I mean, it's, it's, it's a venue I've been to a lot when I lived in London, um, and yeah, that that I just we've been discussing doing live shows. I think Jack's always wanted to be a stand-up comedian, but has never, for whatever reason, really pursued it. And um, and I quite I thought it was quite a good way to do it because Jack's names on it is less pressure on me uh, personally, but also there in the last possible sense, so then they were never going to. Do it, yeah. organize it. So I said, Look, "Do you want me to just organize it?" I went, "Yeah." So I just went away, um, asked a few people who were the best comedy promoters. Everyone, kept, a lot of people kept saying this company, Phil McIntyre. Yeah. Got in touch, got in touch with them, got an introduction through a friend of mine, Lloyd Griffith, who's a comedian. Um, and went for a meeting. Loved them. Got on really well with them, and they they said, "Yeah." When I was there, I, they one of the things, the first things, Paul, the guy there, who's brilliant. Said to me, he said, "What is?" um he said, he said what sort of scale are you looking to do it? and I said I said honestly I don't know anything about this I don't know anything because I think I think there's a benefit to being honest and saying I don't yeah. know anything I said, I said "What?" said he went "He went okay I said um he said I probably wouldn't start with arenas I was like I probably would either like, no no um but they I mean they correctly sort of judge the yeah. size of the venues and all that sort of stuff and obviously know a lot more than we we do and and yeah we did like 12 it was originally 12 dates then we added a second one at shepherd's bush and we added manchester as well because people in manchester were moaning uh that we would ignore the northwest so we did 14 dates in the end and now we've got another 17-ish 19 i can't remember that we're doing uh very soon um,
0: th- there's nothing like i think a theater gig it's it's i think they're better than arena gigs they're warmer um you know, obviously you won't turn down arenas if you get if you get there but there's just something magical about being stood on a theatre with all those beautifully upholstered seats in front of you. The older the theatre, the better sometimes. And you can hear the acoustics are perfect. How how was that? Can you remember the first theatre you did?
1: Uh, yeah, we did the Alexandra in Birmingham, um, which is good. I wasn't nervous. We did, we did a test thing in Norwich, and I was a bit more nervous before that. And before that, I'd done, during lockdown, myself and Lloyd Griffith did a podcast called Cooped Up that was just essentially us talking... Essentially, it was to stop Lloyd from killing himself because he just just before lockdown, uh, I live with my my loving family and he'd just moved into a flat on his own a couple of weeks before lockdown and it was like, and he and he said, hey, do you want to do a podcast like every day? And I was like, okay, I sort of, I don't really want this on my conscience, so yeah, I'll have to do this. Um, so yeah, so we did that every like five o'clock every day. We just meet up and chat for fifteen minutes about what had happened that day, which was generally nothing. And we did a live show for that, and I was more nervous before that because I never done anything like that doc spears and grimsby but but at the end of the day, Lloyd's a stand up comedian. Yeah. he could quite happily just talk, and I could just sit there, so I thought it won't be that bad, so I did that and then, but then we did we did the happy hour test one that went really well, so when it came round to that, I wasn't nervous, but I was very sort of I need to go away for five minutes, yeah. get my head straight, think through things, be be focused um but then now I'll, by the end of the first leg of the tour, i was I was like, oh I'm fine with it all now gonna,
0: yeah, yeah. And- Just to explain again, the mechanics of speaking in public we're we're talking about here, essentially. Um, You you were great. It was really enjoyable because I know you. But the other guys all did brilliantly as well. Would you say you improved as you went on? Did your skills get better? Or was it something you were just, that was it? You just started and pulled the cord and it worked?
1: I think we definitely got better at it. I would have liked to have done more work beforehand I'd like to have rehearsed it more I'd like to have done warm-up shows but the other guys weren't as keen on that so fair enough um so there's definitely ways I would have done differently if I was um if it was my decision um but yeah I I think we we certainly got better at it I think there's still room to improve um as there always is uh but yeah I I sort of became more confident and little bits I think because I've done a lot of act sort of acting on yeah. television I think I was a bit more relaxed about letting things breathe not rushing through it as much um uh, but then Jack was a bit more sort of focused on the stand up bits of that and he was very good at doing doing those sort of things cool. so so yeah I think I think we 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 definitely improved as it went on yeah
0: and you've got your own audience you've got your own plans and ideas would you would you like to do some something like that but solo on whatever scale, are you thinking about that? Do you occasionally think about that?
1: I've got no interest in doing stand up comedy. Um, one, I the main reason I don't want to work evenings, <laughs> like if it, if stand up comedy happened at lunchtime or like 11 a.m., I'd be all over it. Well, yeah, I could do that, but I don't, I don't want to, I, I don't want to do that. Yeah. Um, and I'm just not that passionate about it, sort of thing. I don't, I like making. Doing sort of comedy things that are, I've got time to do and all that sort of yeah. stuff. But I don't, I don't really. It's not something I'm particularly interested in, and I don't think I'd like it if things went badly, which they always inevitably will do.
0: Although, because you invent your own things, you could invent your own thing that's not stand-up that you could still possibly do with or do a few sh- versions of, um, whatever that might be.
1: Yeah, I do, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I like the idea of public speaking in yeah. general. Um I, I like I I've I'm quite sort of passionate about storytelling and I think yeah. I could probably tell talk a bit about that because and, and, 'cause I've always felt that like there's there's better cameramen than me, there's better editors than me sort of thing, but a lot of people don't know how to structure a thing. And it's something I read quite a lot of books on, of like dramatic sort of construction stor- story structure and all that. And I think it's something that's quite neglected and is kind of the
0: most important Bit for a lot you, of things. You, I could see you doing the Edinburgh Festival, or you know, because there's room for non-comedy shows that involve comedy and involve video and involve storytelling at places like the the Edinburgh Festival, for instance. Yeah, I just don't know. I do. I do It just seems a lot of a lot of effort out. A lot of
1: effort. I mean, uh yeah, I don't know. I don't, I like I like writing things. I like yeah. doing things and working on a few sort of little things at the minute. um but I don't know. I don't know what I would do. It's just me, and also get a bit lonely. I think yeah. I, I, I liked the happy hour tour because there's a few of us traveling around. We had a tour bus. It was, it was quite like Lovely a sort gang. of fun, fun, a happy sort of yeah. gang thing. And I think a lot of the stuff I've done has sort of built on that sort of gang thing. I remember at, at Sucker A.M. Um, it was that sort of like the vibe that we gave was like, it Was that it was the sort of cool place to be sort of thing whatever the reality of it was and i remember one day we had we were doing a show and um a friend vicky was a music plugger had come down with the charlatans and we had more guests than we normally had on it. we had um we had all saints the charlatans the mighty bush and robbie savage were on and they're in the dream and they're all chatting. i remember the mighty bush and the charlatans were chatting together um all saints and Rob- robbie savage were having a chat like and there were not enough seats for us i said to vick i said to Vicky, i'm I'm really, I'm sorry, there's, there's no seats. I so, so it's like a youth club here today. And she went, yeah, but it's kind of the coolest youth club in the world, isn't it? I looked around and thought, yeah, that is quite cool. That is quite cool. And I think that sort of building a gang is it's something that YouTube or a community or something like that is something that YouTube does very well. And I can't remember why I'm talking about this, but yeah.
0: <laughs> doesn't matter. Well... Anything could be next for Robbie Knox. Uh, how do people consume what you do, and where do they find what you do?
1: Uh, I do. It's happy how you can find Jack makes happy. I can search for it on YouTube if you want. Uh, on um, Spotify, sorry. Uh, on YouTube, Robbie Knox. It's it's mostly about the bins. I'd give that a miss. Um, and beyond that, I, I, Instagram I use quite a bit. I've sort gone off Twitter a bit recently, but. Yeah, any of any of that stuff. I mean, people know how the internet works. So they really yeah. care. They can do it.
0: So there he is, YouTuber, video maker, theatre tourer, and many many other things. I urge you. I know he's very flippant when he says, "Don't bother with me YouTube channel." It's really really good, and it's really really likable. It's really watchable, and it's it's not heavy. It's just so. Oh, and enjoy his beer as well. He makes beer. We didn't get into that too much. But yes, the brilliant Robbie Knox. More great guests coming your way about how you speak in public in very, very different ways. And lots of tips, tools and tactics for you along the way. Keep joining us here on Speaker's Corner with me, Alfie Joey. Thank you very much. Please subscribe to make sure that you get the next episode of Speaker's Corner with Alfie Joey. And if you enjoy the show, please leave a good review so more people can get a chance to hear it. If you would like to get in touch with Alfie about improving your own communication skills or you would like Alfie to speak at your company or at your event, please email info at alfiejoey.com. This show was produced in Manchester, England by Jeff Downs.